0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, senior minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, beginning with the 31st verse. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forebears when I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant even though I was husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we worship and as we praise you this morning, speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us so clearly that we would know who you are deep in our hearts. And that we would know whose we are deep in our hearts just as well. And so that coming forth from this conversation, this time together, that we would not just be mere hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. When I was in sixth grade, we were beginning to learn how to write research papers and term papers. And one of the lessons that I remember hearing from my language arts teacher was that when you begin to write a paper, start with a good thesis, but what is just as important is having a strong conclusion. That lesson was repeated over and over again in high school as we started talking about term papers and essays in college in freshman composition even in my economics classes, how to have that. And of course, they added different flavors along, good research, strong data. Even when I got to seminary, the lesson was still there. It's important to have a good theme, a good thesis, but you need to have a strong conclusion, a good finish. I mean, some people get in trouble with this point. You know what I'm talking about. They, they kind of talk on and on and they get to the end of whatever it is that they're doing and they don't know how to get out of it. I mean, I had a, we were once had a missionary preacher in a church I was serving in and he was preaching on and talking about missions and I think he was super conscious of time and he looked down at his watch and he was still going and then he says, and that's all I've got to say. And he sat down. I mean, it was the most awkward transition. I mean, he's talking on and goes, I'm done. What do you do with that? or we were interviewing a ministry candidate and we'd ask him a very crucial question about what he thought about the value of youth ministry and how it should be done and he just droned on and on and on and he on, on and on and he finally goes um yeah and that was how he ended the question after droning on for minutes he ended it with um yeah or maybe you've got that friend that tells a story and goes into some kind of a tirade or something and it's kind of embarrassing and they keep going and the more they talk, the deeper the hole gets and you're going, you want to look at them and you say, you're doing this, you need to do this. Prayers are a lot like this. I mean, have you ever sat at the dinner table with a steaming plate of eggs or maybe it's at Thanksgiving with all the trappings around and someone launches into grace And grace goes on and on, and you know, you feel your stomach growling, and you peek out of the corner of your eye to make sure that nobody's stealing the turkey leg, and you just want to yell, say amen already. You know, often we have trouble figuring out where the ending is or how to get there. Thinking about this quest that we have about this closer relationship with God, we ask ourselves, when will we get there? How will we know? What will it look like? Well, the best part about it is it is a journey that is a lifelong journey. But there are things along the way that show us what the ending could look like. Or when we know that we are there and the work is before us. In our text today, it, in one sense, it's about finishing up, it's about a conversation that God, through Jeremiah, is having to the people in captivity. Captive in Babylon, far from home, distant from God. And God promises them that this will end. I will give you a new covenant. It will be different from the one that I gave your forefathers, the text requires. You know, Adam and Noah, Abraham and Isaac and Moses, because those were promises written on stone or in signs. But this one is going to be different, says the Lord. The Lord says, this one will be different because I will write it on their hearts. This is a new covenant that I will give you. And they will know God in their hearts. Now we as Christians interpret that prophecy from Jeremiah and we begin to think about Jesus coming and showing us the way where it shows us the heart of God. but it's also written on our hearts and how we know, how we love, how we obey God wholeheartedly. And yes, pun intended. Written on our hearts, but it's not just our head knowledge of God, it's heart knowledge, where we know God deep within. And so we get to the third part of Wesley's covenant prayer along our journey to grow closer to God. And this piece of the map shows us a closer walk with God. You know, we started the journey taking that upward focus where we surrendered ourselves to God's will, seeking God's will in our lives, wanting to do God's will. Last week on the inward journey, journey, talking about an active and reflective faith, not just busy, but active where we are content with our lot in life and committed to our calling, where we trust God to provide for us and we depend upon God. And so today we hear these words, the last part of that prayer. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine and I am Thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. See, these words evoke an outward focus. sort of how we wrap this whole prayer up, how we get out of it, if you will, how we end it. How we in- conclude our journey to a deeper relationship with God. Where we have looked upward, we have looked inward, and now we must look outward. For that sign. So, what does this outward expression look or feel like? Well, part of it is understanding that God's love is written on our hearts. The second part is understanding our devotion to what we bind on earth will be approved of and bound in heaven. And finally, without a doubt, for the world to see, we say, Amen. So be it. See, when we wrap these pieces of the prayer up and we begin to live them and let the world see it, we begin to show the world what that closer relationship looks like, and we find ourselves being drawn closer yet still to God. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. See, the two parts of this part of the prayer sort of put sort of the vision of God in front of us, the glorious and grandness of God, but also the love of God is acknowledged in who we are. Glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, in that one moment, we are just confessing to the whole world the vastness of God in heaven. The greatness of God has been discovered and acknowledged in our hearts, the result of this upward and inward focus, but we begin to understand that God is all-giving, always present, always knowing what we're up to and all-powerful, but most importantly, that God is on our side without a shadow of a doubt. We acknowledge that. That we serve this glorious God and that God is our God and we are God's people. And there's power in that, my friends. Don't mistake that. But then we take that turn, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's sort of the painting of this Trinitarian theology that we subscribe to. Where God is our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer all in one. See, we're so tempted to use what the theologians call modalism where we try to explain God in sort of words to try to understand it. It's like God is like water and steam and ice. But you see, when we do that, we limit God. God is more vast than that. God cannot be separated into parts. God is God and is vast and all-powerful. The closer we get to God, The closer our understanding of God comes, the more vast God becomes to us, like an ever-expanding universe. But just as we begin to acknowledge how amazing God is, how powerful God is, how wonderful God is, we begin to understand the depth of God's love for us and the depth of that love that we are to share the world I mean, we use the word love sometimes like just a filler in a sentence. I love chocolate. Oh, I love this. Oh, I love that. But you know, there's all kinds of love. I mean, we know that there is eros, that romantic love. We know that there's storge, that family love. We know that there's philia, that love like we have with our best friends. But see, the love that we're talking about here, Thou art mine and I am thine. That is a deeper love. That is that agape love where it's unconditional, where God loves us no matter what. And we want to return that love no matter what. We want to do our best. So then that gospel imperative of loving God and loving neighbor becomes intertwined in our lives. It becomes who we are and what we're about. We want that every one of our actions towards each other reflects God's love for each other. We want to do everything that we can to show God how much we love God. We want to show the world how much we love the world. An outward focus. But then we take it a step further. We go, in the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Meaning, let it be approved and pleasing in God's eyes. We know from Scripture, we know that what we hear in Matthew, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Jesus is teaching this to the disciples. When he teaches us to pray, he says, pray like this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever is done in secret, God in heaven will reward. See, what it's all about, it's all about how we begin to live our lives down here so that there is room and a place for us up there. That we bring heaven that much closer to earth where we get along, where we build this idea of communities of grace and love and peace. This part of the prayer reminds us of that. But it calls us to go deeper in the scriptures to learn how to live with each other. I mean, I think of James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Oh, how those words are needed these days. Or that one about don't remove the log from your neighbor's eye until, or speck from your neighbor's eye until you remove the log from your own. Before we judge each other, let us get our affairs in order. Or what we hear out of Micah, act merciful, seek justice, walk humbly with God. Or just the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. See how we begin to live our lives each day, may we do it so that God in heaven approves of what we do by the way we treat each other. That's that outward focus. And then we get to that last word. Amen. Now of all the words in this prayer, all the words from the very beginning until we get to this last word, I think the most important one is this one. Amen. And see, amen is used in a sermon, it's used sometimes in church, people sitting in the back row, as the preacher's droning on and saying good things, someone goes, amen, like I hear you, that's a great point, or you're sitting there having a conversation with somebody and they tell a story and someone goes, amen, like I hear you. But see, amen is not the end of the prayer. It's not game over, turn out the lights, let's get on with it. Amen is a punctuation mark. Amen means so be it. Amen is writing this prayer on our hearts so that we live it. Let me say that again. Amen is a punctuation mark. It is actually writing this prayer on our hearts so that we live it. I think about the Declaration of Independence. I think about that great document. You know, it begins We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their Creator to certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And he goes on to enumerate all the transgressions of English rule against the colonies. And he gets to that final paragraph. And in that final paragraph, they begin to talk about their case. This is what it means. We declare ourselves free. And this is the last, the last sentence says, And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They're basically saying, Amen. And then they signed their names. Now they knew what they were doing. They knew that they were putting it all on the line. That's why John Hancock took the middle section and wrote his name so clearly. Because he knew that King George was going to come after him. And he wanted him to know out front... I'm putting my name on the line. My brothers and sisters, when we say amen, especially at the end of this prayer, we are putting our names, our hearts, our very lives on the line and saying, God, I am for you and for your will. So I have spent this journey looking upward, looking inward, and now I am turning outward to the world. Amen, so be it. I want to live as you have called me to. We are pledging to live our lives and our relationship with God in such a way that the whole world sees it and knows who we are, whose we are, and what we're about. So as we started in January... We started on this quest to draw ourselves closer to God. We decided that we were going to use this prayer, this Wesley Covenant prayer, to begin our year and then to go deeper into it to understand what it means for us. So we've gotten to amen. What does it mean for us today? Where do we go from here? And so I want to invite you to do this with me. Somewhere past the hymns in your bulletin, I think it's page 6 or 7, I could be off a little bit, is the Wesley Covenant prayer in its entirety. I want you to clip that prayer out. Print it out, however you're looking at the bulletin. Print it out, clip and paste it, put it somewhere where you can see it every day. And imagine with me the change that we can make on the world around us. If every day we start our day with this prayer. If we look at it, if we read it, if we pray it, if we think about the inward, the upward and the outward journey. If we live it in all that we do throughout 2021. I believe that two things will happen. One, we will find ourselves in that closer relationship with God, and we will find the world transformed. And that will happen because God's love and God's words will be written on our hearts, just as Jeremiah said. And the world will know what the people of Centenary United Methodist Church all around the world are about. Have a blessed day.